with your family and friends. I want you to take your Bible and locate the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. We will look there in just a moment. Uh, John chapter 1. It's good to see you, see good friends, some I haven't seen in a while, and sure do love you. Thank God for you. It's Christmas and the Christmas message that makes life worth living. John chapter 1. Some of you have uh, experienced this where you've taken your children to college and only second to saying goodbye if they're out of state. That's very painful. And the second most painful thing is standing in the registration line when you have to deal with the dead and uh, talking to those people. And I remember uh, when we were there in one of those lines and and nickels and dollars and so forth, processing through that, got up to sit down and gave us a, a number and so And somebody came up and, and tapped her on the shoulder. She said, excuse me for a moment. And so she stepped away, and that gave Paul and I a little opportunity, more time to talk and uh, to talk free. And she came back after about uh, maybe three minutes or so. And she apologized. She said, I'm sorry, I had to leave. I said, oh, that was okay. You know, we appreciated a little bit of time to talk. And really, it, it didn't help any. Uh, we just knew we, it didn't help us solve any problems. And uh, she said, I needed to, uh, to recalculate some of the figures that I gave you, and, and that causes the panic a little bit. And so she, she said, uh, okay, here's, here's the, a new payment. This is the new payment plan. And it was uh, significantly lower than what she had given to us. And so um, I said, well, what, what is the difference? What was the difference in that? And she said, well, um, your, your child has been given a scholarship. And I didn't know anything about a scholarship. Nobody told her. Nobody told us. So I, uh, I said, well, you know, Paula and I, we literally were stunned. We didn't know what to say because the number was a, a lot lower than what we owed. She said, I, I am so sorry. And here's what she said. And the only reason I'm saying this because it fits in with the message here. She said, I didn't know who you were, and I, I well, I didn't know who I was either, and um, and so uh, we walked away from that. And I remember Paula said, "Hurry, hurry, before they change their mind. Let's get get them, get out of here." And um, the best that I, I could figure is that I I knew some people there in that institution, and uh, that knew that our daughter was going to school there. And they wanted to extend some financial aid uh, to to her and to us. That's all. I, I have no idea who um, who activated that. And I told you that that story. I, I don't think I've ever told you that before. But to leverage this point, and I'll use this that idea to go into the message that Paula and I had a resource. In that particular educational institution that we did, uh, 
you knew to transition. younger years and your middle years and your senior years, it would drastically affect your life in a positive way. But the problem is, is that we do not, not only not appropriate our resources, we are not familiar with our resources. The Bible teaches that we have all that we need in Christ Jesus for this life, not just the next. First in Second Peter chapter one and verse three, and here's what it says: According to His speaking of God, according to His divine power, hath given to us. This is a gift. It's a, a gift of grace. And notice this: all things, all things, is given you all things that pertain unto life. That means. Whatever you need, God has given it to you. And he's given you all things that pertain unto godliness, whatever you need for your spiritual growth to help you to become like Christ. And here's where the access point is. It is through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. It comes through your walk with God, through knowing him. that's, That's the tapping point. You see, when you, when you root into God, when you walk with God, it's not using God, it's knowing God. When you know God, you have all that you need for your life, for your resources, and for your godliness. In fact, it, it's, not, it's not knowing all about the Bible. It's not just knowing the Word of God. It's knowing the God of the Word. And in my, my experience, to be honest with you, it's taken... A lot of time for me to discover the absolute power of the resources that I have in God. I'm still learning this. I wrote this down that uh, in my life, I've had to learn that God is not only all that I have, because usually we get in a severe trial and we realize, boy, he's all I have now. I don't have anything else, but he's all that I need. And then you realize, okay, he's sufficient. But then after you realize that, you realize he's all I want. You know, we sing that song, Christ is all I need. Maybe we ought to sing, Christ is all I want. Early on, it's, it's he's, all, he's all I have. I don't have, any, I, I don't have money. I don't have the bank. I don't have physical strength. I don't have fill in the blank. And then you realize he, he's all I need. And then you grow to the point to where, you know, he, he's all that I want. He's all that I want. I asked you this question last week as we went into the message. What do you do when you have problems, when you have a situation when you don't know the answer? When it's so big, you, you, can't, you can't figure it out because God has brought you to... Adequate resources 
It results in discouragement, despair, and depression every time. Every time. If it's a major issue, after a while, it's not just discouragement. You get in despair. You get desperate. And then after a while, the desperation settles in and it becomes depression. And we blame God. We blame circumstances. We blame institutions. We blame people. When God has brought you to that Red Sea to let you know that He's all you have and then He's all you need. And then when you cross to the other side at Exodus 15, they sing a song. In fact, that song of Moses will sing in heaven. And He's all that I want. The Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to every question you have. Every question. And I told you last week that I think sometimes we feel like, well, if I knew the answer to the question, I'll be satisfied. And here, here's the issue. You don't need to know the answer as long as you know the one that knows the answer. You're not going to go through life and, and find out all the answers. You're just not going to. You're going to be a very unhappy person. You know, we read the book of Job and read all about what Job went through. And we say, oh, I know what's going to happen. This is going to be good. Job, Job died and never knew why he lost his kids, why he lost his farm and all of his finances and why he lost his health. He never knew that. And we say, what a great man Job was. And Satan attacked him. We never knew that. Job never knew the answers to his questions. And one of the reasons that his friends were so harsh with him when you find that out, is they were probing him for answers. I told you this last week, that when Job began to pose questions to God, chapter after chapter after chapter, there were two chapters that God responded, and God never gave him one answer. God asked him questions. He said, have you, have you looked in the sea? Have you looked at what I created? Have you looked at the stars? And he began to look at the things that I've made. And Job, look at, look at who that I am. Look at what I've created. In other words, Job, look at me. And to understand God, you're going to have to understand Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is God. And, and today the message is, is a further message building on last week, one of the most unusual titles and names, it's really a title, a name that the Lord Jesus Christ has, and that is, He is the Word. Now, when I grew up, I struggled with this because I couldn't understand why, why was He named the Word. And we want to delve into that for a few minutes today. In John chapter 1, look there with me please. In John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So three times there, his title is used. The Word, the Word, the Word. And it tells him who he was. He was with God. He was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 3, it says, He created everything. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, that is, the Word, was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now move down to verse 14, please. And the Word was made flesh. So here we learn the identity of the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The first idea I gave you last week, the identity of a word is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is God. 
He possesses qualities that only God could have had. Verses 1 through 3 said he was in the beginning. He was with God. He was a creator. He was God. He was eternal. Only Almighty God can solve your problems. You know, worry is assuming God's responsibility. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. One thing, I, I shouldn't tell you that. I'll go ahead and tell you. Because I'm afraid I'll tell you. Look at me when we have preachers that do it. Sometimes uh, we'll have preachers that, how many of you, and they'll say, have you raised your hand? Every now and then I'll ask you that, but I don't do it often. Some preachers do it ten times in the sermon, and I just get tired of raising my hand. I just don't do it. So next time we have somebody that does it, you're going to be looking over at me, won't you? And, uh, but uh, the Lord Jesus Christ here, the, he is the, the Word of God. And uh, as a word of God, he created the world. And some of you fret. I was going to ask you how many of you tend to worry. I won't have you respond to that. But I'm a worrier. And the more detailed-oriented you are, the more you tend to worry. You want to know the future. How is this going to fix itself? What's going to follow up? And uh, you read Matthew chapter 6, and you learn that worry is assuming God's responsibility. Some of you, some of us, are carrying things that God doesn't want you to carry. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care. It's a root word for carefulness. It's a word for anxiety. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. There's a group that I, I love. In fact, I think uh, Daniel and Leslie have sang it. their song before here. Uh, it matters to the master. If it matters to you, it matters to the master. That's literally the, the, the rending of First Peter 5, 7. Uh, casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. It matters to him. What matters to you matters to the master. Don't, don't carry this around. The Bible says in Psalm 55, 22, to cast your burden upon the Lord. It means to drop it. You need to fulfill your responsibilities, but there are some burdens that are too heavy. He's God. He is the Word. That's what it's saying here. He is the Word. He's God. He's the Creator. Stop trying to carry all of this stuff that God didn't design you to carry. Man, I've had a lot of things happen. I remember I kept trying to find out. I went to... 11 doctors and specialists trying to find out what was making me sick. And and uh, finally, I went into a doctor, and um, she said, uh, I went in for a test, and she said, I need you back the next day. And Paula was there with me, and she said, Mr. Johnson, you have an incurable disease. And she went through some things and began to talk to me. And initially, when she told me, I got excited. I said, okay, this thing has a name to it. If any of you have ever been through something like this, you understand the emotion. All right. I knew I wasn't crazy going to all these people. So this has a name to it because it was so rare even today that doctors aren't familiar with it if you give them the name for it. So it had a name to it. And in that moment of euphoria, I said, yes, now we can fix Even though she said incurable, I thought, yes. (laughs) And I remember... We, we had a van at the time uh, for our kids. And I was walking out to the van with Paula. 
And we got in the van. I told Paula, I said, this is not good. It pulled my attitude changed from euphoric to, oh, boy, this is not good. And so many, many times from that point, I've had to, I've had to not assume this responsibility. God knew this. He's the Word. He's God. Now, what is the purpose of the Word? That's the identity of the Word. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of the Word? What is the designation? Why is that significant that He's called the Word? And this is really the, where the message hinges here. I remember I was just meditating. I preached through the Gospel of John many years ago here in our church, every verse, every line. And I meditated and, and thought upon this. Well, our words communicate our thoughts. If you don't know my thoughts, you, you don't know me. We cannot have a, not just we can't have a close relationship, we can't have a relationship at all. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you must know their words. If we want to have a relationship with God, you must know His words. You must know His heart. And the Lord Jesus Christ was a communication of God's heart. It was a communication of God. Not just in deity who Jesus was. He was God. But when you see Jesus Christ, you see the Father. One God manifests in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But when you see Jesus, read about Jesus in the Gospels, you're seeing God. And so Jesus manifested who God is. I, I, I was thinking about this this week as I prepared this, and I thought about, what about deaf people? Uh, they've never heard anything, and they struggle to speak because they can't hear anything. So all they have is sign language until sometimes they're able to learn some auditory speech. And I remember... Um, being over to Helen Keller's place, not far from us. And uh, supposedly that the, the I say suppose, I'm sure it is, the pump is the same pump that Ann Sullivan took her out there. And she, she got the water. And she was very angry as a child. You know why? She didn't understand words. She couldn't communicate. But when she was signing and, and, and she got water, and it changed her life. Listen, when she understood a word, but not it wasn't just water. It was that, oh, I can, I can understand someone. There's some communication. Someone understands me. I can understand them. And all of a sudden, speech and, and the matter of communication. The word communication comes from the Latin word common. You cannot communicate if you don't have anything in common. God sent Jesus to be our bridge, not just our Savior, but to identify with us. He is the Word. He is God's communication to us to show us who He is. That's in John 1. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Again, in John 1.18, a few verses down. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He, this is Jesus, He hath declared Him. He hath declared God, because He was God. And He was with God. I talked about that last week. They were together, the Trinity. 
In the Bible, I love the euphemism here. He was in the bosom of the Father. It has the idea of endearment, access, of, of close fellowship. And the Bible says, He declared the Father's heart. Again, in the Gospel of John, you'll see John uses this idea of the word or communication, communicating the Father over and over again. John 14, and in fact, in verse 8, Philip, who was like an engineer, those of you that are engineers, you'd love Philip. He was literally a calculator. He measured things. And he told Jesus one day, he said, Jesus, show us the Father. And here's Jesus' response in John 14, 9. Jesus saith unto Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that, listen, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? When you see me, you see the Father. I am the Word. I am communicating the Father. John chapter 16 and verse 28. Jesus said, I came forth from the Father. And I'm coming to the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. I came from the Father. I'm going back to the Father. I'm representing Him. I am the Word. This is so important. John wrote five books in the Bible, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. And the Word, the communicating of the Father is in all over those books. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13, one of the last books in the Bible describing the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and His name, His name is called the Word of God. The Word of God, that's His name. He is communicating the heart of God. Don't miss this. He's not just Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Son of God. He is the Word. And don't just call Him the Word. Understand the concept. He he is the image of God representing who God is. We sing, O come all ye faithful. I think it's a second verse. And the verse says, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to, to thee, All be glory given, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore. You know, some of the best theology is in our Christmas hymns. It's not watered down. It's not shallow like so many songs today. Uh, Some of the songs have good theology in them. Some of them are just, you know, back then they didn't have media and they had to think. They weren't entertained. They, They had to write. They had to think. Had to read. We sang one this morning, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Part of the Godhead, you're seeing Him. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. That's John 1.4. Risen with healing in His wings. Malachi 4.2. Mild He lays His glory by. Philippians 2. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. Man, it's all over. The gospel's all over that song. Jesus, God the Son, Jesus, the Son of God, every attribute of God belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was communicating 
the Father's heart. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. He, he is your source. He's your resource. He can help you. He can meet your need. Sometimes in life you say, well, he's all I have. You ever been like that, man? It's serious now. We've got to pray now. Boy, this, this is really serious. We've got to pray. As a pastor, I get that sometimes. People will say, preacher, I need you. The, the test result is not good. It's bad. We've we got to pray. <laughs> now, now, look, I feel that way too sometimes. I'm not making fun of people. But it's like prayer is the last resource. But all of us do that. We realize that he's all I have. And then you realize, you know, he's all I need. And then you get to the place, he's all I want. But it's sad that we have to go through this, this, this cyclical thing and you realize that, that he is God. But if you're without God, your, your life is hopeless. You do not have a resource. You're on your own. I'm not just talking about paying bills. I'm talking about when you pillow your head at night and you're trying to make sense of life because you have questions you cannot answer. And I'm going to tell you, the older you get, the more they're going to pile up. I I don't need to know the answers as long as I know the one that knows the answers and I will know those answers one day. God loved me so much that He initiated to reach out to me, to save me, to deliver me, and to change me. And he did it through his word, the gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, extension of himself. Number three, let's look at some of the blessings of the word. What are some of the blessings of Jesus? Well, he came to save us and to deliver us, but the text here gives a couple of blessings Number one, he came to give you, if you're a Christian, he came to give you life and light. It says that in the hymn we sang earlier. But it's in the text there in John 1, 4. The Bible says, in him was life, and the life was a light of men. Life and light. In John's writings, in the Gospel of John, in 1 John, in fact, in the book of Revelation, life and light are used over and over and over again. I counted in the Gospel of John in 21 chapters, the word light is used 36 times. The word life, life is used 44 times in 21 chapters. I need life. I need his life because I'm spiritually dead before I'm a Christian. And after I'm saved, I need his life. He says he will give me abundant life in the Gospel of John. I need his life this morning. I need it this afternoon. I need him. And then I realized that I want him. And then I need his light. I need his light because darkness, when I was lost, I lived in darkness and guilt and shame. But as a Christian, sometimes it gets dark in my life. And I don't know the way. John 1, 4, in him was life. In him. Do you get that church? In him. In Jesus was life. In Him, not in the church, not in religion, not in the world. I remember there was a precious young man that I love very much that's struggling. And um, I was talking to him out here one day. I took him out to eat. 
And uh, we came back to church, and he was in a struggle and uh, trying to win him to Christ. We were sitting out here in my vehicle by the church, and I said, well, what, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from saying yes to Jesus? You know what he said? He doesn't have a church background. You know what he said? It's interesting. He said, Brother Rick, what's keeping me from, from giving my life to Jesus is the world. He hasn't even been in church. He knew the terminology. He says, the world. I love the world. And he was thinking that, that, that life is in the world. In him, but it's in Christ his life. And look at this. And the life was the light of men. It's like when you, when you discover when you discover his life, it's like a light bulb is turned on in your in your heart and in your soul. And you see things that you never saw before. In first John chapter one and verse one, it says about the word that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which you have looked upon with our hands, have handled. In other words, we, we have evidence. This is John the Apostle, the one who Jesus loved. And notice how he's, his title here, of the Word of Life. He's not just the Word, he's the Word of Life. He's God's communication to us. He's Jesus Christ, God's Son, evidence, but He is the Word of Life. For this life, Jesus was manifested. And John said, we have seen his life and bear witness to it. And show unto you that eternal life, which is with the Father, was manifested unto us. The word of life. Do you know him? Some of you are believers, but you've gotten away from the word of life. And there's frustration in your heart. Our Lord said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He not only has life, He's the source of life. He created you for Him. He is your life. His life brings resurrection from the dead. We will be resurrected because of Jesus Christ, because of His death on the cross. Because of his resurrection from the dead. John chapter 5 and verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens. It's an old English word which means to make alive. As the Father does that. Even so the Son, the Son of God, Jesus. Quickens, makes alive whom he will. John chapter 11 verses 25 and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, present tense, shall never die. Believest thou this? He told that to Martha and Mary about their brother Lazarus. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. On Friday, when it was cold, I was telling Robert, um, I put on my pajamas and put on my blue jeans. I didn't have any long johns, single digits, probably below that with the wind chills. Three years ago, we buried my mom. 
I went out to the cemetery and stood there for a while. She's not there. She's in glory where my mom and dad are buried and remembered her and thought about her. and Thank God for their influence in my life, my family. And uh, one day, though their soul and their spirits are with Christ in glory, one day on resurrection morn, their bodies will be raised. We need not fear death. Jesus' life means resurrection from the dead. Jesus' life means that I daily have his life. Right now, I have his life. I love this verse. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Christ is our life. Christ is our life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I think we make a mistake sometimes when we say that Christianity is is living like Jesus. But that's not it. Christianity is not living like Jesus. It's Jesus living through us. Christianity is Jesus living in me. And then I can live like Jesus. Unsaved people can try to live like Jesus. Boy, that's frustrating. Only one person ever lived the Christian life. That was Jesus. And he can live it through you. His life means daily having his life. I I can live right through him. And then his life means having eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is a record that God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Notice the simplicity. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. You see, you don't get eternal life one day. You have, if you're saved, you trust in Christ as you're saved, you have eternal life right now. Right now. Not just quantity of life, but quality of life right now. The light of life. The light of life. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You have life and you have light. Jesus said in John twelve forty six, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. I was thinking, praying through this this morning. I focused on the word abide, to live in darkness. You don't have to live in darkness. If you're saved, if you're not saved, you're you're abiding in darkness. I am come a light into the world, but whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. Satan's kingdom is is filled with darkness. God's kingdom is filled with light. I was reading in the book of Revelation last week, and, and there's no night there. There's no sun, because Jesus is the light. Do you know what the first words in the Bible are that God spoke? Do you know what they are? They're creative words. you know what they are? I think it's Genesis 1-3. Here's what he said. Let there be light. His first creative act was light. He said, let there be light. Do you know when you're saved, do you know what happens when God puts in you? He puts a light in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, 
If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded. What happens when you're blinded? It's dark. The minds of them who believe not. Don't get upset with lost people. It's dark. They don't understand. You carry a Bible with that pictures and it's all words and they don't love it. They're blind. You come and you sing songs of Zion and they they don't get upset with them. They're blind. It's dark. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, watch this, has shined in our hearts. When does that happen? At your conversion. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ shines in your in your life and represents glory. And He gives you His life and He gives you His light. His light gives me direction. John twelve thirty five. Jesus said, Walk while you have light. Just a little while is the light with you. He's talking about while he's with them. Lest darkness come upon you. He that walks in darkness knows not. Where he goes. You don't have to stumble and, and guess. God God has given you light. Psalm 119, 105 says the, the word of God is like a light and a lamp unto your feet. God, God has given you light. Light is the basis of your testimony. The glory of God in your life. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles, and they didn't do that. I, the Lord, have called thee, speaking to Israel in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and I like that, and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open their blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and to bring out them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Then in verse 16, And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them. Crooked things straight, these things will I do unto them. The platform, the platform for your witness is not that you go to church. It's not that you carry a Bible. It's not that you're religious, it's that you have light. It's interesting in the book of Psalms and Proverbs, it talks about having light in your countenance. That's your platform. It's having light in your heart. In the first days in Jesus' ministry, it was said of him in Matthew four sixteen, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. Are you that way in the office? When you're gone, but when you walk in, it's like light, light comes in. I'm not talking about criticism. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you are a representative of God's word to them. You're not God, but just like Jesus was the word, you, you are Jesus' word to them. You're his representative to those people. And then I'm going to skip a little bit here. A second thing he gives to us is not only to bring light and life, but to bring grace and truth to us. 
He says there in verse 14, The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God not only gives us His truth, He gives us His grace. He is the most perfectly, the Lord Jesus Christ, the most perfectly balanced person. You know, one of the problems for Christians is they learn so much truth, they, they get an edge to them. They get critical, they get mean. They try to straighten everybody else out because we know the truth. And we lose our graciousness. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Look at verse 16 of John 1. And of His fullness have we all received in grace for grace. Grace upon grace. You keep growing in grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Because the law reveals our sin, but it cannot remove our sin. Only grace can remove our sin. You need the law, but you need you need the grace of God. And I put down here, grace is evidence in our words. In your words. The way you talk. What you say and your tone. In one of the Messianic Psalms, it says about Jesus in Psalm 45 and verse 2, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. And I made that my prayer. I said, God, would you pour grace into my lips? Would you give me gracious words with my tone, with what I say and what I don't say? Give me gracious words. It was said about our Lord in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, that they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. He was full of grace and truth. Well, I'm, I'm just, I must be a Christian. I'm going to tell them the truth. Well, are you full of grace too? You ought to tell the truth. Are you full of grace? Jesus was full of grace and truth. I want you to be honest. But if you leave out one, it's, you're not Christ-like. And then grace is evidenced in our being sustained in trials. This stood out to me when Paul prayed three times to be delivered from his trial. And Jesus said this, you know this, in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, He told Paul, my grace, Jesus, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul. My strength, Jesus' grace, Jesus' strength. Is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, Paul said, in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. God gives us light. He gives us light. He gives us grace. He gives us truth. Because of the Word, we see this model. And then we see His humility there in verse 14. The Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. He humbled himself, was born in a manger, not in a palace. Born to simple parents. A carpenter, poor carpenter. A godly lady and godly stepfather and Joseph. Simple people. And dwelt. It's a word for tabernacle. That's where God's presence was in the Old Testament. He tabernacled. He tented among us. He humbled himself. For God to bring you these gifts of grace and truth and light and life and deliverance, he had to humble himself. And the Bible says we beheld his glory. You know, I think sometimes we see Christianity as as a philosophy and rules 
and observation and principles. The Word is a person. You see, you have this Word, and then you have Christ as the Word, and Christianity is about Jesus Christ. It's about knowing a person, not knowing rules, about knowing Him. And then how are you going to respond to the Word, the response to the words? There's only two responses, two responses. In John chapter 1 and verse 10, He was in the world, that He was the Word, He was sent into the world, representing the Father. And this world was made by Him, He was the Creator, but they knew Him not. He came unto His own, that's the Jewish people, now watch this, and his own received him not. That's the first response, one of rejection. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're making a decision. When you say no, that's a decision. When you say later, that's a decision. But some of you are saved, but you reject his sufficiency. You reject his life. You reject his light. You reject his grace. You reject his truth as a Christian. And, 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 and He's not just enough, but you need Him. And you need to get to the place where you want Him. And stop rejecting Him. That's a decision. Just know, I, I, I'm not going to receive Him as my Savior. I'm not going to receive Him as my sufficiency. And here's a better decision in verse 12. But as many as received Him met a man one time, I was witnessing to him, and I said, well, the Bible says you can receive Christ. He said, the Bible doesn't say you receive Christ. And very kindly, I said, well, sir, it does. I turned to John one twelve. but as many as received him, you don't have to reject him, receive him. It means to welcome him. To them gave he power. That means authority to become the sons of God, the children, the daughters of God. You can become a child of God by receiving Him, by believing on His name. Who were born, you're born again, not of blood. That means by relationship. For years, I thought I was a Christian because my mom and dad were saved by blood, by proxy. Daddy's a deacon, mom's a Sunday school teacher, therefore I'm saved. I'm not saved by blood. Or the will of the flesh by reformation. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to start going to church. It's not by the will of the flesh. Nor the will of man. That's religion. I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to join the church. You can only be born of God. It's only something God can do. And then when you do that, God will give you His life. I close with these two verses, the last two verses of the Gospel of John. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John the Apostle said, And many other signs or miracles truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, I think there's seven major miracles are written, that you might believe. That Jesus is the Christ, Son of God. And that believing, watch this, you might have life. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You might have life through His name. My invitation to you this morning is to receive and rest upon Jesus and allow Him to do for you 
what you cannot do for yourself. You cannot, you cannot become a Christian on your own. You can only do that through Christ. That's why he died. And listen, you cannot behave like a Christian. You cannot grow like a Christian on your own. You need him. You need his life to live through him. Either way, you have to submit to him. And one of the best days in your life, you say, God, I can't do this. I can't, I can't live like it. I can't go to heaven. I surrender. I need you. I ask you to save me and deliver me from my sins. And if you are a Christian and you're struggling, just say, God, I, I, can't, I can't live right. I can't do this. And you surrender and you bring that to him and say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. And let him give you that light and that life and that grace and that truth as the word as a precious word, as the almighty word, the all-powerful word, the resource that you need that maybe you never knew the power that can save you on this Christmas. I want you to bow your head with me this morning if you would. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'd like to ask a question if there's someone here this morning that would say, you know, Brother Rick, if I were to die this morning, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to heaven. I don't know, but I'm interested in it. And I would like for you to pray for me. I will not come to you. I won't embarrass you in any shape or form. I won't do that. But to myself, I would like to remember you in prayer. Just ask God to help you to make this decision. And right there where you sit, God's speaking to you this morning about your soul and your need for God. You say, Pastor, I, I, I want to get this settled. I'm not 100% sure that if I were to die that I would go to heaven. Or maybe you say, I know I'm not ready to meet God. And I need to get this settled. Rick, would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up and down real quickly? Could I see you? Anybody like that? I'm not 100% sure. Okay, I don't see anybody. Maybe you're here today as a child of God and, and you're assuming God's responsibility and your worry or you're struggling with something. And the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come to you as God's gift, as your resource, just like that mysterious person came and offered us a scholarship to help us. He doesn't want to offer you a scholarship. He wants to give you himself and provide for your every need and take care of you. Would you just say, God, I give, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Would you give it to him today on this Christmas? It's his gift to you. It's himself. Would you give it to him? Just give it to him. Give it to the Lord. God, I give it to you today. He wants it. He can take it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just give it to him, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas Day. Thank you for what it means to us. Thank you.